are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. It's your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Tuesday edition of the show alongside my co-host Gino Camilleri. It's episode number two this week of five. Download it into your phone when you subscribe to Locked On Eagles on any podcast platform. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockdownBirds, at DiBiase, L-O-E, at GC24 underscore football. Gino, what's up, brother? Thanks for holding down the fourth the last couple days. Your mock draft Monday was fun yesterday. I'm not going to really divulge what you did in it, but you did take one of the my guys for me in uh, day three, so I do appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sure we'll have uh, – there's only three Mondays left. Yep, we only have three more. Year. So mm-hmm. we'll probably have to do a my guys one like we always do. But yeah, I was glad yep. to get your Kylan Hill in there. Yes, and sir. We delved into the SEC, which us as Eagles fans, we haven't seen too many guys out of the SEC coming from the draft. But I believe that this class is the one, if they're going to hit it in the first round with an SEC prospect, it's more likely than ever. Because at 12, I'm looking at cornerback any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Pat Sertain, J.C. Horn, those guys should be 1A, 1B for you, unless one of the top seven players drops to you, which I don't know if that's possible, then you make something happen. But right now I'm looking at those two corners and saying, where can we go from there? Like, where can we address in the SEC maybe or in other conferences that have big-time players at wide receiver, cornerback? I mean, a lot of these schools are putting out two or three guys at the same position. So you might be rolling the dice 50-50, getting one guy out of the school, and you pick the wrong guy. So, I mean, it's going to be fun to see what they do on draft day. It was fun to get into it yesterday. Only a couple more weeks left, and, I mean, pro days are over at the end of the week, Lou. Like, they're there. Like, mm-hmm. we are here, finally. I, it, it's, I keep saying it. It's like we are only a couple days away from actually figuring out where this Eagles team is finally going to stake their claim when it comes to team building, and this is the final step in it. Yeah, so check out Gino's All-SEC Mock Draft Monday on yesterday's show. And like Gino said, I mean, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, also Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, the two receivers that could be available at 12, they're all in the SEC. So Howie Roseman might finally have to pick inside the uh, college football's best conference. Gino, what's the best SEC pick the Eagles have had since the start of the restart of Howie's tenure in 2016? Is it, I mean, I'm thinking of Jalen Mills as the first one that pops in my head, and that was a seventh-round pick out of LSU his first year, am I missing clear and obvious ones after that? Yeah, since he's... he came back into power, that's yeah. that's a tough question to be asked. I mean, I mean Fletcher Cox, look at it right? right now. Yeah, Fletcher Cox, clearly. Yeah. But, I mean, is Jack Driscoll the best player oh. they've selected out of the Maybe. SEC in the yeah. last few years? <laughs> I mean, be. a lot of the guys that come through the SEC come through the way of free agency. And yep. there was that uh, Fitzgerald um, trade chart that I always reference. They put out a a tweet yesterday of how much resource went into the Eagles picking uh, every single position, like where a, a lot of their actual assets went in the draft. And a lot of it was to wide receiver and cornerback. And I simply gave everybody a statistics lesson saying that they haven't hit on that position 
many times. So, of course, they're going to continue to add prospects there and add picks there. And that percentage should only go up in this class because they need wide receivers and they need cornerbacks once again. And I think diving into the SEC, Lou, would be a great first-round pick. Those four guys you mentioned at 12, any single one of them, seeing them line up in Eagle Green come Sunday, I'm going to be happy with any of those selections. Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Jay Z Horn, Patrick Sertain, give me any one of those four. Or, hey, if you can manage a way to get up and get Kyle Pitts if he somehow does slip, that's another guy you can go get. Or we wait around and we trade back into the first round, Lou, which could be something Great that segue. this team hasn't mm-hmm. explored many times in the past and maybe they could be going up instead of going down which we hope they only go up in the standings as well after this draft and that's what we're actually going to get into today Gino is that last thing you mentioned because last week the last time we did a show together we talked about whether it's better to go cornerback at 12 or wide receiver and then corner in the second round so do you do CB and then wide receiver or do you do vice versa? We kind of both agreed that it's more likely you're going to get a better receiver at pick 37 or by trading back into the first round rather than go receiver first, then corner. But that last part is what I'm really interested in, and it's moving back into the first round, not just hoping that somebody's there at 37, because I think there is a good chance that Asante Samuel Jr. is there at 37, or maybe Greg Newsom did fall, or you know, there's a lot of receivers that could be there. Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU, Elijah Moore of uh, Ole Miss, Rondale Moore of Purdue, maybe Kadarius Toney out of Florida. But for me, I'm really interested in the idea of you moved down from 6 to 12, right? You collected a big asset in 2022, that first-round pick the Miami Dolphins gave you. So you have a ton of draft capital now to work with the next two drafts. So you have flexibility. You're not going to have to give up that much to get back into round one because you're picking at 37 this year. That's only five spots into the second round as opposed to last year where you're picking 53rd overall. And again, like I said already, you have a ton of picks this year next year. You have two third-round picks to go off of this year. I'm saying I don't want to be stingy here. Look, could somebody fall to 37? Yeah, a bunch of good guys could. But I want to be aggressive since we went aggressive in the opposite way going from 6 to 12. We went aggressive for the future. Get aggressive again and go get a guy that you really want. Move up from 37, get into that first round, collect that fifth-year option, and go get a receiver or a corner that you really like. It could be Terrace Marshall Jr. It could be Asante Samuel or Greg Newsom. But I really like the idea of first moving down and now moving back up. That's the thing. I mean, you can be one of those teams that has all the picks like the Browns and the Jets have been in the past couple years and not hit on any of them. Mm-hmm. And there is something to be said about the complacency of just sitting still in the draft. And like you said, Lou, like you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. But you also know how you have to know how to raise. I think raising in the NFL is really like the key. Like when you can be a team like the Kansas City Chiefs and pull the trigger to get me Cole Car- Hardman over the Philadelphia Eagles a couple years back, that move paid extreme dividends for them, Lou. Or C.D. Lamb last year, Dallas moving up for him, and we kind of just sat there and we, look, I love Jalen Rager. Well, I did in the draft, and I liked Brandon Ayuk and the names available, but I was very disappointed they didn't go up and get C.D. Lamb. I want them to sometimes, there's there's a balance there like you're talking about of, There's a deep class, so maybe you want to wait and not give up assets because there's going to be a guy available. But also, sometimes the top tier is the top tier, and you just want that sure thing considering how bad the Eagles draft a lot of the time. 
and that's the exact way to look at this, and especially in this class and a lot of people, and if you look at it from just a common sense standpoint, 2022 is where people want to collect picks because it's going to be a better scouting season for them. They're going to be able to get into the building. There's going to be a more well-defined player pool because there's no not going to be any opt-outs to worry about. 2022 is where you should be looking when it comes to scouting. So in 2021... If you have all these seventh round and sixth round and day three picks and you're saying, okay, I know I could get a surefire guy on day one or late day two or anywhere in day two, and all I need to give up is a, a sixth round selection to go up 15 spots to get a guy, you mm-hmm. do that in this class especially because, like I said, there are factors outside of what happened on the field this year that are going to play in how this draft works out, and you're going to see some teams reach You're going to see some teams have some steals that people might say, how did that guy fall? And it all comes down to this whole COVID era of scouting. And 2021, if you're going to be risky, do it in a way where you go and get your guys. You don't let your guys come to you because this could be a class that if you just wait around, you might be stuck sitting on your hands with these picks saying, okay, we got to take a shot in the dark on a guy that we didn't even know of because we waited around at a position of need and we didn't get any of the guys that we wanted. So you have to do what's right and move up at times so you don't miss out on a Sedarian land right. like you did last year. And, of course, if you don't have any draft picks, I think, again, it depends on your situation. If you don't draft well, maybe that's, again, giving you more incentive to go up and get the sure thing. But also, like, let's say you don't have a lot of draft picks. Odds are you don't want to give up the ones you do like the Eagles did in 2019 to go get Andre Dillard. And then you have no draft picks left for really the rest of the class. So again, it's striking that balance, but I think the Eagles are set up with all the picks they have, including another first for them moving down from six to 12, that they have the ability, the flexibility, the optionality to move back into the first round if they choose to. And now, Gino, the question is, and we'll get more into it in segment two, but a little teaser here real quick. Now the question is if they were to trade back in, what would it be for? Would it be for a wide receiver? Would it be for a cornerback? Would it be for a linebacker maybe? I think it would most likely, to me the dream is I want Devontae Smith and I want Asante Samuel. That's the combo I would love the most with those first two picks. But I think it's more realistic that they're going to go cornerback, maybe a lineman on either side of the ball or a linebacker with that 12th pick, and then they trade up for a receiver. Because again, I think the receiver options at the end of day one it's deeper than corner. Like, could you maybe have a chance at getting back in and grabbing Greg Newsom? Or maybe you do that for Asante 100%. But at receiver, it's like you could do it for Terrace Marshall. You could do it for mm-hmm. Elijah Moore. You could do it for Rondale Moore. You could do it for Kadarius Tony. I don't know. Would Rashad Bateman maybe fall into the 20s? I think there's a, a good chance that a team, you know, because like Justin Jefferson last year, that's kind of the comparison where a team might fall in love with. You know, Elijah Moore's explosiveness like the Eagles did with Jalen Rager, and that pushes Bateman down the board. So I think there's just more options at receiver that intrigue me before 37. Go back and get one of those guys. Yeah, that's the thing. I think you're going to see a lot of those wide receivers fall into that that pool where you would want to go up and get a guy like that. And even if they don't trade up directly into day one, Lou, mm-hmm. being only four picks back of that 33rd selection is huge. I think that 33rd selection is arguably, outside of any day one selection, the most important pick in the class sure. because you have your pick of the rest, but the good rest. Like You're going to see guys that teams have first-round grades on fall to the second round, and if you could get up to 33 with a whole day to figure out your plan, 
I mean, that's where I want to be sitting. But at the same time, that fifth-year option is huge when it comes to NHL draft picks. And, Gino, you know, before you move up back into the first round, you could even collect more picks. Like, let's say mm-hmm. J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell aren't there. For me, I don't know. I don't really like the idea of Quiddy Pie. I don't really like the idea of Rashawn Slater. I would rather move down again. Go from, like, 12 to 18. Take Notre Dame linebacker slash safety Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. I think that's a great fit right there. And then, Which we will again, instantly be calling the Joker if we draft him, oh, like JOK's initials. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his. I'm closer to being okay with him at 12, but I think value-wise, again, though, maybe you say we could go get him six spots lower, collect an extra fourth-round pick or third, and then use that to get back in there and grab grab a receiver, grab Greg Newsom. So there's a lot of optionality here if the Eagles want to kind of move up and down the board again, which Howie Roseman, we know, loves doing that, I think, more than any general manager in football. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, no, I think, one, you don't draft an off-ball linebacker at 12, so I wouldn't be okay with Jeremiah Owusu-Kamora. Sure. But if you do move down, like you were saying, Lou, I don't think there's a bad selection in the teens here either. Like I, I believe there are probably 25 first-round talents in this class, maybe a little less, and you're going to get one of those guys even if you do trade down, and you're right, Lou. I mean, maybe you fall in love with the athleticism at edge and Jalen Phillips. Maybe the team likes that. Maybe Baron Browning is the first linebacker we ever see taken in the first round for the Eagles <laughs> in quite some time. And the idea of Aziz Ojalari out of Georgia, Lou, I think if we're going to edge, that's the one guy that, like, I know you don't love Quiddy Pie. I know some Michigan, some people don't love that Michigan defense when it comes to edge rushers. Chase Winovich. Georgia, <laughs> yeah, Georgia creates good edge rushers. They go- create good defensive linemen. Aziz Ojolari, dude, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's mm-hmm. still s- super young. He could be that stand-up edge rusher for you. And the value of taking that type of guy at that pick in the late teens, I, yeah, I think I get that's it, right sure. where that falls in line. Like that and Jeremiah and uh, the Joker too. Like I think both of those picks, if you're picking at 18, 19, 20, that's a great selection because you're still getting first round talent. You're collecting more picks. I mean, hey, we could have 14 picks by the end of this draft. You never know. Mm-hmm. They could my trade only, Zach Ertz on draft yeah, day. We have they no could. idea. My only issue, and again, I have a feeling, a gut feeling, they're going to go edge day one because it's just what this team does. But I don't know, just for the timeline of what they're going to need at that position, they're not going to need immediate help in 2021 because you've got Brandon Graham still, you've got Derek Barnett on the fifth-year option, you've got Josh Sweat heading into, what, year four now, and I think he's going to be really good in year four. There's just a lot of really good, raw, but upside prospects on the edge in day two and day three, and I think that makes sense for you know another Josh Sweat type of pick. That's why I would probably want to pass on edge, but I think the logic you are – drawing up here does really make a lot of sense. I think regardless of position, the Eagles moving back into the first round is very likely. What do the listeners think? Who do they want if the Eagles move back into the first round? They take somebody at number 12, a corner, receiver, a lineman, but Howie Roseman wants to get back in for a second day one pick. Who would that be? We're going to get into it coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, and now March Madness as well, but the NBA and the NHL are in full swing. You've got the Masters coming up. You know, right, there's a ton of sporting events this week and next week. I continually say, Lou, that this is the most underappreciated seven-day stretch in sports. 
Sunday, we had the women's championship. Monday, we had the men's championship. Today, Wednesday, Thursday, you have mm-hmm. UEFA Champions League, Europa League. This week, you have the Masters, and then people like me who love their wrestling. WrestleMania yes, you do. on Sunday, <laughs> culminating it. I know you do, too. Love yep. it, Lou. You can bet on literally anything. You can bet on WrestleMania at betonline.ag. What's better yep. than that? Come on. And they've got and they've also got awards, TV shows, reality TV. It's real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news scores and odds head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n bet online your online sportsbook experts all right eagles fans welcome back into this tuesday edition of your daily philadelphia eagles podcast Locked on Eagles. Guys, after the show, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski, also of Locked On Packers, updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Louis DiBiase and Gino Camilleri talking about the idea. So the Eagles are going to pick now. They move down from 6 to 12. They collect an extra first in 2022. They're going to take... To me, either a receiver there, a corner, or a lineman, offense or defense. Me and Gino both really like the idea, we talked about it a lot in segment one, of using the picks you have. You have a ton of picks this year, next year. Move one of those picks, get back into day one, and take a prospect that you really like. And I think the two spots, Gino, that this would be most likely for is wide receiver or corner. And again, I think it's most likely wide receiver. I think they're going to go defense with that first pick or offensive line. And then... Again, you look at, I think the lead candidate right now, based on who I think the Eagles would want the most if they take this strategy, is LSU wide receiver Terrace Marshall. I think he'd be the lead candidate for a trade-up. Marshall said he met with the Eagles already. I think it was down in Mobile. Um, Good Morning Football this morning talked about how the Eagles have made a lot of contact with him throughout the past couple weeks. And would you agree that he fits the mold of probably what they want? He seems like the more typical X receiver that can also play inside. He's a big body but he's fast as well. Um, I was really impressed last year. This guy took over for Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson with bad quarterback play and really made that LSU offense work when it actually did. So I think Terrace Marshall, I mean, look, I like Kadarius Tony a little bit better, um, but and I think Rashad Bateman is probably the better prospect, but I don't think those guys are going to be there. And even if Tony was, I think the Eagles might take Marshall instead. Yeah, with the talk about Terrace Marshall, I'm glad that they brought his name up. And because a lot of these guys that we're talking about, Lou, like the Kadarius Tony, the Rondale Moores of the yeah. world, like you just took Jalen Rager. Like, let's remember right. that. And, and I they want to play him inside a lot this year, too. So, yeah, I mean, Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore. Yeah, those are the Moore brothers. They're not actually brothers, but I'm going to call them the Moore brothers. They're kind of like KJ Hamler last year, where I love him as a prospect, but you got to be okay with him playing inside pretty much 99% of the time. Right, trust me, I, I'm down with that any day of the week. Sure, I, just, same. I love Elijah Moore. I love Rondell Moore. And you need a slot but, guy. Like their upgrades over Greg Ward, so I wouldn't hate it. But right, but I think if you're taking that position, like that's a sure yeah. fire second round pick. Like if you're evaluating wide receivers, you always start Ben Solak, former host of the show. He said this, and it always clicks with me. When you're evaluating wide receivers, instantly you look: can they play the X position? Terrace mm-hmm. Marshall, out of all those guys we just talked about is the only one that can play at the X. He's six foot three. He's got huge arms. I mean, his catch radius is bananas. And you want somebody to play on the outside because 
you don't have any answers there, Lou. On the inside, you can make it work with what you have. Jalen I mean, Rager, Marshall can play inside, too. Like He could be oh, a big sure. slot at times. That, that's the thing is, Gino, you don't have to have a slot dependent. You don't have to have a Jordan Matthews or a Nelson Aguilar. Like, that's their role, or Greg Ward. You can draft receivers that can play both spots and just almost go slot by committee. Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at it, and we we want that chess piece mentality when you look at it. And I, I believe Marshall could be that guy, and people forget how good he is, and mm-hmm. he is the guy that people forgot about at, at LSU. But you're right. I think looking at the bad quarterback play and seeing him yeah. being able to produce outside of just having Joe Burrow there is huge when you're evaluating it's him. It's part of why I was so optimistic about Rager last year, Gino, is right. TCU's quarterback play was abysmal. And the Eagles quarterback play last year was <laughs> yeah, right, too, so exactly. we really can't evaluate him either. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think what we were talking about, Lou, the idea of either trading down or trading up, Terrace Marshall fits right into the territory of where you would want to land. Like if you're going to trade back up, he would probably be in the mid-20s. And if you trade back and yeah. you want to get him in the mid-20s, I believe you could do that too. But if you do sit at 12 – and you want to move up, let's take a look at what that's going to cost. And you look at the Fitzgerald Spielberger uh, from Over the Cap, their mm-hmm. trade chart. Say we want to get up to 27 from 37. 27 is worth 1,330 points. Pick 37 is worth 1,170 points. That's okay. only a difference about 200 points. 200 points is basically any pick in the seventh round or above. So, I mean, if you only have to give up I would say if you give up a five and a seven, you could go up 10 picks. No, no questions asked. And if it gets you Terrace Marshall or Rashad Bateman, a fifth year option to give up a sixth or a seventh pick, which is just a throw at the dartboard. Yeah. You do that any day of the week, Lou. I mean, so, especially for that type of player who mm-hmm. you know that once those runs start to come, like on day two is when the runs really start to happen, yeah. and they happen early on. So like if if you wait and pick 33 all of a sudden is Rondale Moore, pick 34 all of a sudden is the other Moore brother, and then it's Kadarius Tony. Now you're panicking, mm-hmm. Lou. You're like, right. okay, what do we do here? And that's what you don't that want That happened to in do. 2019, right? It went uh, it happened A.J. Last year Brown. Jalen Rager too, man. Yep. It went A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Miko Hardman. It really started to run, and the Eagles took mm-hmm. uh, J.J., so, yeah, I think that's why you want to move back in and have your pick of the litter. Do you like, I mean, we're going to talk rankings next week. Is Rashad Bateman higher than, because I think he's been the consensus wide receiver for, but the I think the hype for Tony and Marshall are really starting to build the last couple of weeks. To you, is Bateman the guy? Like, if they were all available, let's say you moved up to 22 or 23 and you had your pick of those guys, is Bateman number one or is maybe somebody else on the board that you would consider? I mean, I don't know if Bateman would be available there, but if he is, is he like the clear consensus pick for you? Yeah, I think Rashad Bateman to me is still going to be one of my top three wide receivers when this is all said and done, just because I saw what he did the last two years. And you talk about abysmal quarterback play. Minnesota's is terrible. Mm. I mean, I, I can't watch Minnesota throw the football. I can't watch most Big Ten teams throw the football. And just what Rashad Bateman did and what he can do, Lou, like I put him as a first-round Van Jefferson, I would say. Like runs the routes well, catches everything. That's, that's a great comparison, yeah. And you just need a guy that could play the X position right now. We need bodies, and we need guys that can do it well. And I think Bateman above all of them is – my favorite of the and of the, he wears uh, number zero there. and yeah. he wears number, i'm buying that jersey rule 
<laughs> yeah, that would be something. I, I love what you said about the number 11 uh, Tim Tebow jerseys today. Oh, yeah. that, that was kind of funny. You turn around, all of a sudden it's a, a Tebow number 11 instead right? of a Wentz. But I think that would be pretty cool uh, if you could see a guy like Jalen Rager change back to the single number, single digits, and then you have mm-hmm. two single-digit wide receivers at zero, and it can't be one. It could be maybe two now, but I think that would be pretty sick. And Bateman is the guy, man. Like, just go watch him. Even when things weren't going well, like, he was the guy. Like, his target share is everything. He was that Minnesota offense for a long majority of the of both seasons that he excelled there. He's only a junior and that's what I look at. Like, underclassman wide receiver to me, if you find a good one, like, you latch on to that one. Because there's a reason that a lot of these guys don't come out in their junior year and they wait till their senior year. And you see a guy who, like Kadarius Tony, there were issues with him off the field that led him to staying at Florida. And there's a reason he's a, he's a senior coming out of the class, you know? So I look at a guy like Rashad Bateman. He checks every box for me. He could play X. He could be that number one featured guy for you. He could be there in the first round. Then you get that fifth-year option. If you're getting Rashad Bateman, you're getting that fifth-year option. Like, There's no questions that he's going to be one of the better wide receivers in the league, especially out of this class. Like, You get that fifth-year option any day of the week. But if you're looking at a guy like Rondale Moore, Lou, and you want to wait around and you don't really care about that fifth-year option because, hey, in four years we might be able to get a guy like this in a draft four years down the road, then you just wait around. If you can get a guy who you truly believe can be that X receiver for you, be a number one featured weapon, like a Rashad Bateman, who I truly believe could be that, or if you believe Terrace Marshall could be that at a cheaper cost, you go and do that any day of the week. I'm totally on board with being aggressive because you're going to fill a lot of this back end of the roster with later round picks and UDFAs this year. But if you want to solidify your guys up top, which you have a ton of question marks, use those late round picks as ammo, especially this year, to get the guys you know are going to be stars. Because Here's in 2022, you mm-hmm. can use those picks and throw them at the wall because you'll do more research. But For I want sure. to hear your idea on all this. No, yeah, that's a great idea. And I think here's another thing. You're talking a lot about Rashad Bateman. Like We're talking moving back in for a receiver. Maybe, though, the strategy could be you don't like what's there at 12. You like Rashad mm-hmm. Bateman, but it's a little rich for your blood at 12, right? And you don't want to force the pick there. It's, a, it's about value. You could maybe collect a four and, you know, get Bateman still. You know what? I picked, I, for some reason, went to pick 18, right? You move another six spots down like you did from six to 12. Take Rashad Bateman there, and then who knows? You can move back in for a corner if Greg Newsom fell or, you know, if you think Asante Samuel Jr. is higher than – I think the Draft Network has him a little bit too low, Gino. He's at pick 59. I think there's a really good chance he's a first-round pick. I think you compared it to, like, Darnell Savage a couple years ago where – Yeah, um, I think that yeah. rise is going to be crazy. Like, Jair, so, too. Man. Yeah. Like, he's going to be right in that mid-20s area. And what if about – what if this happens, Lou? What if they get Devonta Smith? And they want to do exactly what you said with Asante sure. Samuel and trade up and get him. That's I'm, my dream. I'm in with that yeah. all day. Yeah, that's all my day. combo. Again, I think it's more likely you get a good corner at 12 and then move back in and get a good receiver. Mm-hmm. But if you can right. get Devontae Smith Supply at 12, especially yeah, at it, it depends on really how the board falls. I'm into the strategy regardless of what positions you go first and then move back in 
for at that second spot. Guys, today's show is sponsored by rockauto.com. One reason to repair and to maintain your car is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food or for me, sour beers. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, while rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're always reliably low. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online now for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Make sure when you go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck, write down Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. You know, you're talking a lot about X receiver. Go with a Terrace Marshall Jr. And then if you want to get another slot guy, Jalen Darden, I'm not going to stop with this name from North Texas. You come back around in day two or day three and get a player Uh like him and a double dipper receiver, which we've really been talking about. The listeners on Twitter at Lockdown Birds, I asked a question, like if the Eagles move back in, and I didn't say if it's for a receiver, if it's for a corner, just if the Eagles move back in, who do you want it to be? Most names, Gino, that the listeners brought up are the exact names that we think of, and it's Kadarius. It was three names that were the 99% of the responses. It was Kadarius Tony, it was Terrace Marshall, and it was Rashad Bateman. So the listeners agree with us for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right up the avenue of, of where you want to go. And I like what you said about if you want to swing back around and, and get that slot type of guy. And, and that's the thing. I think you're only finding premier playmakers at that 12th pick. And if you do trade up, the same type of thing. Like, you want a premier playmaker. Because if it comes down to it, Lou, and all those guys are gone that we just talked about, which could, could happen, it's the NFL. Mm-hmm. Bateman could be gone, Terrace Marshall could be gone, and we're sitting there and we're like, okay, what do we do? They're going to double down at a bunch of these positions. Like, let's make that known. And I like what you said about the wide receiver position. There's tons of guys that you can get later in this class that that have that athleticism that we look for. Like, guy we haven't ever mentioned on this show, like Sage Surratt, like only did really well at Wake Forest, came back to play. I mean, his competitiveness is off the charts. If he opts out and then comes back to play, you should be talking to Austin Watkins in a couple weeks, in a couple days here yep. at his pro day. Frank Darby, another guy, if you miss out on Rashad. Is Amari Rodgers too rich for day two or day Cornell three? A guy from Clemson? Yeah. Yeah. Tons of guys. And then at cornerback, I really think later in the draft, that's where the versatility tends to open up. A guy like Sean Wade, who after what he did in the final four uh, matchups, like kind of fell down some draft boards. If you can get him later in the class, more of a slot reliant type of guy, you can go and do that. Or a guy like Thomas Graham from my Oregon Ducks. I mean, the versatility is everywhere mm-hmm. to get a guy like that on day three. So even if they don't go the position you want on day one, there's so many players there on day two and day three. And where you want the picks, I'd say, like, you want a majority of your picks in this class, Lou, like, within the top 150. Like, you don't want a lot of those after that, like, 180, 224, 225. Like, yeah, those are nice picks to have. But in this class, you want to stockpile third, fourth, fifth round picks in this class. And I I truly believe that if you have to move up, you can still have that ammunition on day three to, to make things work. And... Player trades, I think, are something that we could see happen. If it's day two in the draft and we we want to 
do a swap like we've seen the Eagles do a couple times, like Zach Ertz and a pick swap. Yeah, like that could happen. You could use could Ertz to get happen. back into day one, Gino, instead right. of using a draft pick. I love that you mentioned that because I didn't even really think of Dude, instead yeah, of just, if you're sitting there as yeah. Jacksonville, right? Right. And you just drafted Trevor Lawrence, and you have the 23rd overall pick, and you're like, okay, we're kind of happy. We don't like any of these. But what guys. about the Jets? And, yeah, and Philly calls you one of those teams and says, "We'll give you Zach Ertz with a a fourth round pick if we can go up seven eight spots." Right? Why, why do you why how, how do you say no as a young team getting there's, a leader like that? There's three teams in the 20s and the 30s that could do that. I think the Jaguars is a great one. The Jets get one of those rookie quarterbacks, the perfect security blanket that Carson Wentz loved early on in his career. Or the Buffalo Bills. Look, I know they signed Jacob Hollister. Right. Dawson Knox or Jacob Hollister is not going to stop them from acquiring Ertz if the deal is right. So love that you mentioned that. That's a nice wrinkle, too, to end the show talking about moving back into the first round. Instead of giving up a third or a fourth or multiple picks on day three, hey, you do have an asset in Zach Ertz that you could use with Dallas Goddard in-house. I think no matter what, though, Gino, I like this idea. You moved down from 6 to 12. You collected a big pick in 2022, and that could be the quarterback of the future. It could be a wide receiver to help Jalen Hurts, or it could be the key linebacker you finally take in round one. You collect that big asset by moving down. Now go with a little bit of a smaller yet aggressive move and get the prospect you want at the end of day one. I'm, I'm happy with that idea, and I think Howie Roseman's really going to consider it. I don't think there's a coincidence they're talking to a guy like Terrace Marshall a lot. They're not going to take him right. at 12, but them talking to him is like, okay, they probably like the idea of maybe him falling to 37, or they move back in. I think it's very likely a possibility. Say what you will about Howie Roseman, but as of recently, as of when he has come back into the fold here in Philadelphia, one thing he has done well in the draft is learning from his mistakes. He went into it a couple years ago, went more on college productivity, changed his whole entire outlook and did, okay, can we get good athletes? Can we get guys that run? Yeah, it didn't go the way we planned in 2020, but it's a good way of thinking. It's more forward thinking. So now we're sitting here and saying, okay, if teams are being more willing to give up picks to go back into the first round, like a team like Green Bay has done for so long, or Pittsburgh, or Baltimore, teams those teams have done it multiple times, and they're very good team-building teams. Like They've created very good rosters time and time again. If Philadelphia sees their rival in Dallas wait around and get their guy in C.D. Lamb when they could have traded up, Howie's got to be itching. He, he's got to be itching to make a big-time move and get two first-round picks. Like He's got to have that gene in him to say, I'm not going to let Dallas do that to me again. Like I'm going to show up and be the team out of the NFC East that makes the biggest bang in this draft because you know what? My seat is as hot as ever. And I have to know when I have to raise. Mm-hmm. And here is the perfect time to put those chips in the middle of the table, Howie. Like, if you're going to go all in, why not? Like, next year isn't promised for you, Howie. Get your guys this year. Get them this year, man. And you can think of it the opposite way, too. If he has a lifetime contract, that'll make him feel like he can be aggressive, too. So either way you look at right. Howie's status, yeah, he should be able to do that. And that, that's the thing. It's the last thing I'll say is um, I've never had a problem with Howie when it comes to his philosophical thinking. I love how much he prioritizes quarterback. I like that, like you said, he was willing to adjust. It was all college production, and then last year it was all speed and upside. Mm-hmm. So he's willing to change his philosophy and become self-aware. He did that coming back into the fold in 2016, and it helped the Eagles win a Super Bowl. It's more so just about straight execution, and uh, that's where he really needs to hit in 2021 and 2022. 
Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri signing off on this Tuesday edition of Locked On Eagles. Thanks, guys, so much for tuning in to this episode of the show. We've got three more this week, so come on back. Subscribe to Locked On Eagles on any platform, and come talk to us on Twitter at LockdownBirds, at DiBiase, L-O-E, at Gino, or I should say his new one, at GC24 underscore football. For Gino Camilleri, I'm Louis DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, and let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.